They patrol the monuments to gridiron legends, but you better get the hell out of the way when they come rolling through. Randy Heights and Ryan Chapman are the Heisman Park Rangers, presented by the Highball Network. Good to see everybody. I won't be long here because I know this. This uh, we got to go a little bit shorter with us getting ready to start meetings and practice, having to move it because of this uh, nice summer day here in Norman, Oklahoma. That is a sentiment I think we all. Uh, I don't know if we agree with Randy, but uh, that's definitely how I felt. And I was like, great, we're starting this press conference off with a bang. Uh, this weather has been miserable, and I'm already over it. Oh, I, I'm beyond winter. Last Friday when it just got chilly, I was like, yep, okay, ready for summer. Everyone that wanted their winter, here you go. You, you've you had it. Let, let's get this out. And then this crap the last two, three days, I'm like, what in the world? We're in Oklahoma. Halloween hasn't even happened yet. This is I, stupid. I, I was thinking that today. I was like, when's the last time? Because I was like, when's the last time we had a bad ice storm? Then I was like, guys, it's October. What is happening? Yeah, I mean, and you know, as bad as it was, and it's horrific for a lot of people, and I know this isn't a weather podcast, but let's just be thankful it happened like it did. We we really, I mean, we've been freezing, and you know, like freezing temperatures, but it's been like 30 to 32 here in this area. Imagine if it was those low 20s for these three days. With all the foliage that's on the trees, oh, we think 300,000 people without power is bad? I'm thinking the whole state might be without power at that point in time. I was like, yeah, oh, it, my God. It looks like a war zone outside my window right now. All the neighbor's yards are just destroyed because of the trees, all that stuff. We've been on that. Uh, we have our pool in our backyard that it's an older school, like the vinyl lining. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I, so I've been periodically throughout the day taking a shovel out and trying to hack the ice off of the limbs that are closest to it, thinking <laughs> like if if these limbs go, I want it to weigh is the least amount possible so it doesn't just rip into the uh lining before we can get out there and pull the crap out of the pool it was a disaster and it really altered the press conference stuff um you know we had our normal lincoln riley press conference at 1205 but then the players aren't weren't until five as you're hearing this today on wednesday uh it'll probably be a similar split and it, it just led for randy it was very uneventful and i feel like the weather really really put a damper on everything i think the weather i think the games i mean hey i'm thankful you talk about your neighborhood i'm thankful we live in a new neighborhood i mean yeah the trees are damaged but they're fairly out of the ground you know so we're right. safe in that area but yeah I, I think when you look at these next two weeks alone yeah they're important games where they can develop and grow but in the grand scheme of things if ou continues to advance like they have especially defensively and offensively last game to this game coming up against Texas tech, they should almost be in cruise control and that's not taking anyone for granted. It's just, that's how much better they are than their next two opponents. Yeah. They've obviously got the red Raiders up next. Then it's Kansas, which yeah, but uh, you know, at least we've got, we've got some Halloween night antics in Lubbock. So maybe that'll be a thing that happens, but I really think Randy, like this is almost a byproduct of how Oklahoma played against TCU because really sure um, they, they didn't really try to do a lot of things, but no turnovers, a pretty measured performance kind of, I don't know if dominance the right word, but uneventful because uh, it, it never was really in doubt after that drop touchdown catch that was reviewed that, that would have made it what 17 to 14 after that, 
it was just cruise control for the Sooners. And, and, and frankly, going against this Red Raiders team, looking at them, yeah, they made the quarterback change, things like that. But like you said, if the offense doesn't turn the ball over, if everyone plays just the way that they played against TCU, this should not be a contest. No doubt. And, and I'll say this, Coach Wells there at Texas Tech, I think is doing a good job. And, and a lot of people still just look at Texas Tech and they assume Cliff Kingsbury offense, spread it out, throw it all over the place. And don't get me wrong, Wells wants to go at a high pace and they want to score. But they're not the spread it out, throwing it around, the run and shoot, the air raid, whatever you want to call it that Cliff Kingsbury called his offense. It's not quite like that. They are going to, I think, defensively present some tests to the defense for Oklahoma, a couple of things. The quarterback, the new quarterback, he likes to run some. He's very mobile, you know, but he's still a young kid in there getting his second start at Texas Tech. So they could have some issues with the running quarterback again, just like Duggan. But I think the difference is he can throw the ball better. In the running game, they've got the powerful running back, Sodrick Thompson or Shadrick Thompson. Sir Roderick. Sir Roderick. I, All I was time reading name. his name. Love yeah, it. Unbelievable. And he's a bigger back, but he's really fast and powerful. I watched about three quarters of that West Virginia game. He's really good. So they're going to bring some different dimensions and try to catch defense off guard, again, by the pace they play. But it's not hurry up where we can throw the five-yard outs or beat you passing. They just like to play at a fast pace where they keep that defense on the field. Like once they start going at their fast pace, Ryan, they don't do a lot of substitutions. You know, it's kind of like, right. oh, you got your 11 men on the field. Guess what? We're not going to use much of the play clock and we're going to keep going. That way you don't have time to substitute. So that's, I think, going to be the biggest adjustment for this Oklahoma defense that I think we'll both admit is still learning as, as this season goes on. And I'm interested to see, too, not only is um, Sir Roderick Thompson a powerful back just when he's running the ball, he's a very defined role in this Red Raiders passing game. They love to find him out of the backfield, and that's kind of amplified. It's weird. With Bowman, it seemed like Thompson, it was one, two, okay, get it to Sir Roderick. Now you've got Columbia in. So it's not going to be your typical, it's a young quarterback, he's going to check down a bunch just because you know that's kind of what Bowman did. But um, it's a very defined offense, and like you said, they have a game plan, which I think is more than we can say about TCU. I, I was confused by how TCU attacked this Oklahoma defense. I was confused about like what their offensive philosophy was. Look, I would rather watch a Cliff Kingsbury offense. They're, I find them to be much more fun than, than the Wells offense. But the Wells offense, you know what they want to do. Like you said, get that first down, kick that tempo in, and, and then attack you on, on every area of the field. They do it in a more balanced manner than a Kingsbury did. But um, it, the thing is, though, Columbia came in against Iowa State late in the game, kind of gave him that jolt. Yeah, but he also this was Texas Tech's best game by far, I thought, against West Virginia, most complete game. Columbia was only 22 of 28 for a buck 69 and a touchdown. Like, it's not like it's all of a sudden the next Patrick Mahomes or or, or the the next great in the line of Texas Tech quarterback. So I think you can kind of rest easy with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and to be honest, I don't think he's going to put up numbers like Bowman does. I mean, the one upside Bowman had, and you look at him, what system did he come from? He was one of the last ones, you know, there with Kingsbury and everything like that. So he's more defined to go into that type of system. So he was still putting up the big passing numbers. But I, I yeah, I mean, when you look at Columbia and what he was able to do, he's a game manager if there ever was one with more mobility that can maybe cause some of those big problems. And the thing that was most disturbing for me on Saturday, they tried to give him the nickname Hollywood because he's from Hollywood, Florida. I'm like, 
No, no, just that that's one guy. That's Hollywood Brown. Let's not even go there, guys. I just. And that was the announcers, not Ted. I I don't understand when stuff like that happens. Like it's it's one thing if it's a different city, if it's adjacent, if it's ironic, stuff like that. But I'm like, there clearly was a Hollywood in this conference three years ago. Like, can we wait a little bit long? Like, can we do anything else? the The nicknames are endless, and we've got that. On the flip side, oh my gosh, today, okay, I don't want to rag on anyone. Oh, go ahead. Why not? That's what we're here for. But we're in the press conference and we're talking with Jeremiah Hall. And someone's obviously doing a story on Austin Stogner, how he's come along, something like this. Cool, fine, awesome, whatever. The follow-up question asked, though, was how did he get the nickname Big Stog? To which... I almost unmuted my mic and started answering for Jeremiah Hall because I was like, what What the hell? Are we, this is like the least creative nickname ever. Everyone calls him Stog, Stogner. You cut off the nerd, Stog. Stog, he's 6'6 and enormous. Big Stog, big Stog. What are we doing? Does that <laughs> Wait a minute, be, are you serious? That was a that, question? Does that, like, I, sometimes there are questions that you you just, you know the answer to, but you have to ask it because you need the quote in the player's words. You know what I mean? Like you yeah. have to have something like that. This was not one of those moments. You could very easily just be like, yeah, the guy they call big stock for obvious reasons. Like, why are we spending everyone's time asking this? Now, maybe if they called him little stock or, you know, exactly. but yeah, I mean, that one's easy to solve. I think a two-year-old could solve, solve that riddle. Yeah. That um, it's, wow. The, it's just like, it's one of those things. Like if, if all of a sudden, you know, uh, it was not on a national broadcast that Marquise Brown got the nickname Hollywood. That's when you kind of go, okay, it does he show up with, you know, the, the big glasses, you know, st- is he always, you know, dressed to the nines and immediately showered and changing, stuff like that. Always from Hollywood, Florida. I get asking that. But big stog, really? Yeah. Are we do we have to dive into the weeds about that one? No, no. I, some people are just trying. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be beneficial here. I know you're young too, but I'm going to have to believe it was like a college student doing his first story. I mean, just being honest, being told, do the who, what, when, where, and why by a professor. Because why else would you ask that? It it was a college okay. student, not on, not on their first story. Um, and we'll leave it at that. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to defend them. Way to throw I, the book. Just... Mm-hmm. Well, it's a it's a person I like. I like their work. I just uh, wanted to die on the inside a lot. Not even a little bit, a lot. I wanted to die a lot. But trust all, me, you weren't the only one in that Zoom all, call. All of this to say, uh, there are infinite possibilities with nicknames. We don't need to recycle Hollywood quite yet, especially when he's still active in the NFL. And you know, yeah. uh, last time I checked, doing pretty well, and they referred to him as Hollywood there too. I know that's a getting off on a tangent, but I just I almost died laughing because. It doesn't even have the same sound to it. Hollywood, Columbia. Yes. That, it's, it's no, like, try again. It's like announcer, go away. Just stop. Yeah, bowling for Columbia. Anyway, uh, it, it's uh, one of the one of those things that look at. It, it's Texas Tech week, and, and this is not a team that uh, should present a ton of challenges unless it's self-inflicted. If you flip over to the defense, Randy, um, the best defensive outing is tied between Kansas state and Iowa state at, at giving up 31 points. 
I know the Sooners lost to both of those teams, but I think we can agree as long as OU's not turning the ball over much more explosive offenses than both Iowa state, Kansas state, Houston Baptist put 33 on him. This lethargic West Virginia team goes out there and 27, like, you know, 27, I guess is the, is the new season. Low. Like, come on. Fully, fully agree. And I will say this, if let's try not to, I, I'm not going to try to paint a rosy picture here for tech defense, but what I was going to say, I think one thing that may be good actually for Oklahoma playing Tech now, same with Iowa State and Kansas State, you know, <clears throat> that is the fact I had forgot how many senior transfers they got. And they actually got a couple of guys as well from Pac-12. One, their linebacker name escapes me right now, but he's three-time all-Pac-12 linebacker. I mean, again, they don't have the greatest defenses out there, but again, they've got some young, not some young talent, but some veteran talent that transferred in, and the reason I say maybe it's good that like an Oklahoma plays Tech now, I'm never going to say this defense is going to be world beater, but maybe by the end of the year, since they didn't get all the offseason you normally would to incorporate new guys, this defense may be a little bit better at the end of the year and catch some people off guard if that offense improves. So if you want to look at a situation where it could be worse playing them later, now it is good playing them in October. For sure. And and I'm excited. Uh, one matchup I am really excited about is if young Anton Harrison gets worked in, um, Chris Murray. Not if he doesn't, I'm just going to go to Lubbock and take over the offensive line job. Correct. Correct. But uh, Chris Murray, not exactly young, but but a new member of this offensive line. One thing Texas Tech will do is throw a bunch of creative blitzes. They are more than happy to roll the dice from that point of view. And I think this is one of those games where maybe you say, look, if, if we're going to sit back in umbrella and we just don't have the talent like a TCU or a TCU of old, not even really this year or an Iowa state, then we're just going to get, you know, hit over the head here. So I'd be excited to see um, how Spencer Rattler deals with the different looks, how the offensive line up front deals with the pressure. Cause this was probably um, in my estimation, like the best performance pass blocking wise this last week against TCU. Like I thought the offensive line was incredible in the pass game. No doubt. And especially again, let's go back to the second half or once Harrison started playing a lot, not only did the run game pick up, that's when the offensive line, I thought did their best job of pass blocking as well. I mean, I know it was Dusty Dvorak that put a highlight up and, you know, it's just like all these football players, you'll see Gabe Iker do it on social media as well, breaking down game field, just like Sam Mays, where it showed Creed Humphreys able to do what Creed Humphreys does, where he just drove the offense or the defensive lineman basically five yards back before driving him into the ground. So, yeah, it was overall, I thought, the offensive line's best job, pass blocking, run blocking, overall. I, I was very impressed with this. And so, yeah, I'm kind of interested to see that come next week, or this week, I guess I should say, coming up, what, what happens and how they handle themselves. Because I'm only expecting vast improvement. Because I, right. I expect to see Harrison in if not starting, even sooner than he was this past week. And hopefully Murray gets in there more. I just expect to see this line really start to blossom into Bean because I've said this time and time again, Ryan. Bill Beanbaugh is not a guy that, like, raves on an offensive line. Right. And you remember what, week two or three of practice, was it? He was going on at how good this offensive line is. Exactly, exactly. And so I think... To be honest, from what we've seen with what he was talking about, he had to mean with the Murray in there, with the Harrison in there, not what we saw in game one and game two. So 
that that's kind of where I'm at with it. I'm ready to see what that line because I I don't think he had just sunshine pumped them if he didn't believe they were that good. And and they may get some reinforcements in. They may not. We'll get to that here in a second because that what was do you a mean? really I'm so confused. But... Yeah, yeah, we're all confused. That was a really interesting tidbit from the press conference. But one last <laughs> little note from me on the Texas Tech defense before we kind of get into that mess. Um, Demarcus Fields, another defensive back there, like you said, mm-hmm. senior. I was really impressed, honestly, with how he matched up with Charlie Kolar in that Iowa State game. Yep. Um, he was not afraid to get physical with him, things like that. Last week, we saw Stogner going up against Moerig. Um, that's an NFL versus NFL battle right there. And Stogner didn't win all of those. So I'm interested to see if he can come back and bounce back because Fields, while he's no Moerig, he's, he's shown that against guys that are a lot bigger than him, he, he's more than happy to get up there, mix it up, and, and try to force them to make competitive catches. And, and we've, I'd like to see Stogner, I don't know if bounce back's the right word, but you know, assert some dominance. I, I was going to say, I think it is a little bit of bounce back. It wasn't that he had a horrible game, but like you said, you know, there were times in that game, we talked about it on the post-game podcast, where we wanted to get, you know, we talked about Oklahoma needs that go-to guy. And you thought it was Stogner. There were three times in a row where on third down, third and short, he's not wide open, but the ball is right on the money. He loses that battle. That's when if you're going to be that big time guy and be that go-to guy in third down situations, yeah, you're not going to win every one. But you know what? If you're thrown at it four times, you at least got to come out 50-50 on it if you're going up against a high quality defender. So yeah, I'm kind of interested to see how he bounces back this week as well. And, And on that Tech defense, Ryan, and I'll get your thoughts on this. When I talked about them, they haven't played because they've got so many transfers in together. They haven't worked. Well. I, I see a lot of actual decent players, good players that could potentially advance to the next level for them. But they end up having those busting coverage. Those right. And, you know, like you mentioned, blitzing, you know, or something, maybe take the wrong hole. I'm kind of interested to see if OU can start exploiting some of that because that's one thing we haven't seen a whole lot of yet. Oklahoma taking advantage of what defenses give you. And so I want to see if when they get risky, has Rattler started to grow even that much more where they start taking advantage of that? Yeah, this is a defense that I feel like, Randy, they're going to make you have to reel off a six, seven, eight play drive because they have enough talent to not just be, you know, you know, three plays, 70 yards and you're done. You know what I mean? It's not that Texas Tech defense of old. Um, it's not the defense that we saw in 2016 where Baker Mayfield's just running up and down the field in AT&T Stadium there. Um, I, I'm really interested to see, obviously, against TCU, Lincoln Riley saw something where he felt that they could just attack relentlessly the TCU defense vertically. And, and so because of that, we got the just bonker stat line of Rattler averaging 25 and a half yards per completion because he wasn't really even attempting to to spread the ball out underneath and in that mid-range, you know, passing game. So I'm interested to see if we can see a more complete performance from that perspective of um, Rattlers given the opportunity to show that he can run that offense at at the, in the flats, that intermediate level, the deep passing game, make sure he's not turning the ball over and and just run the, the full offense and not be so specialized, which again, like, I don't think that was, it's not a knock on Rattler's performance last week or the play calling. It was a great game plan. They executed it to perfection. I thought it just was, you know, something different. I'd like to see Rattler just once put it all together without the turnovers against real competition. No doubt. And that that's kind of what I want to see as well. And when I talked about taking advantage of things, 
you're right, they did that, but it was almost like what they did in that game plan, taking advantage, was it wasn't Rattler, Rattler having to read anything. That was designed from working through the week on those deep balls and everything. Right. They knew going in, this is what I want to see Kenny start reading those defenses when they start doing the blitzing. Hey, look, it's coming on this blitz right here. It looks like they're going to come from this spot. That means Stogner is going to be wide open. I need to read that quick and make that throw. Those are the ones I want to start seeing him as a quarterback now start to grow up and make those reads on the field, not something pre-planned coming. Randy, basically what you're saying is you want a basically replay of Kyler Murray's Sunday night football toss to Hopkins where you see that that incredible camera angle where it sees Kyler pan over, realize he has the coverage he wants on Hopkins, smile, and then like just toss a bomb. Like you want to see Rattler smirking mid-play because he recognizes something that he can exploit. Hey, and the one thing that no one has talked about it, they talked about in the broadcast, we can get off on this, Kyler's an OU guy. Did you notice before that play was snapped? I've never seen this before in any level of football. It was the no-look snap. Literally everybody on Arizona's team was looking at the sidelines when Kyler calls for the hike. And that was the one thing that opened him up because even the defenders watching what the guys are doing. They snap it, and Hopkins, who's already great, just beats him. Yeah, well, well, the awesome thing is apparently they stole that play from Ohio State. Really? I haven't even seen that. Okay, that's incredible. That's incredible. Cliff Kingsbury said uh, that basically they saw that play run in an Ohio State game, and so they were like, oh, I bet we can try and implement this, and and, and that's where they got it from. That's the inspiration. That, so that's rip, ripping it good. right from the Buckeyes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was very impressed with that when I saw that. And yeah, we could go off on the performance by NFL guys at some point in time from Oklahoma this past weekend. Both quarterbacks did well, but, you know, that's kind of, that's the growing up that you saw Kyler do this weekend in the NFL. You've seen, I mean, people can rag on him. You've seen Baker grow up at times in the NFL as well. That's kind of that next phase at the college level. I'm ready for Rattler to start doing some of those things. Not all in one game, just maybe adding one more thing into his repertoire for the weekend. You know, like, I'm reading the defenses. I'm reading the blitzes. I know what to burn them on now. And, you know, obviously it's Lubbock, primetime, Halloween. Um, It's got some headlines. It got a question. We've got some audio I'm going to play here in a second. But I think that Lincoln Riley had a really good point where I feel like he, he didn't say this, but he kind of alluded to this, that. In the past, the reason why it's been so spooky going down to Lubbock is because you have a Patrick Mahomes versus a Baker Mayfield. You have a Kyler, like you've got NFL caliber quarterbacks entering the fray and the Kyler Murray game's kind of an aberration because of his early turnover troubles that put OU into a hole that they were digging out of the rest of the game. But um, I I feel like outside of Spencer Rattler, there's just, you look at Texas Tech's roster offensively, and I don't see anyone like that, that that you're thinking, well, this could get into a shootout. This could get weird. And in this game, I I don't know if it's just that there's not as many fans or whatever, but I just don't feel like that's going to be a thing this go around. Well, I'm kind of with you. I think it's a few things. I think it's what you talk about. You know, there's not that quarterback that's there, you know, that's able to do that and everything as far as with Columbia being in there. And it's definitely the crowd. That crowd has a huge factor. If you've been to a game in Lubbock, and you've been around that crowd, it's a huge factor as far as 
what they can do as far as getting to a player's head, especially a young guy like Spencer Rattler. And, and if you wanted to shoot out, and I know he lost his job, their best bet if they got into a shootout, in my opinion, is Bowman going back in and being the quarterback. It's not that he's Patrick Mahomes, but he's got more of that capability to hit those 60-yard passes and everything to maybe, you know, exploit some of OU's problems at the secondary that they've had in past weeks. Yeah, and unfortunately for Texas Tech, like what's killed him is that Bowman's just looked absolutely gun-shy. Yeah, I mean, gun-shy, I feel like, because maybe it's because of his, you know, long history of just wonky, weird injuries, but... Um, it's just been weird, but yes, you talk about that Texas tech crowd. I've been exposed to, uh, many different new forms of verbal taunting because I, you know, as a youth went to Lubbock to an OU Texas tech game. And I was just like, Oh, that human beings are saying that to other human beings face. It does not matter if there are women or children around. Like they're just, they're out there. I'm going to be honest. I, I can't say much. I, I've been known to be a bad fan at times. So I think I've even went into games going women, children, doesn't matter. You're all fair game. So I'm not going to ridicule them for it because to be honest, and I know it's mean and I know it's hateful. That's one thing that I like going to the Texas Tech games about. It's like, you know what? You're in our house. You come in here, you're wearing the foreign colors. Yeah, I'm going to unload on you. And I kind of appreciate that as being that guy that, I mean, again, walking into the Cotton Bowl, I literally one year was walking in through the parking lot in the state fairgrounds and I'm walking with a group of like 10 guys. Right. And the time we get to the ticket gate, I look in the nine guys I'm with, other nine guys I'm with, they're like 20 feet behind me because of the smack that I'm talking about. I think about everyone's grandmother and mother, I don't know, probably 10 dead sisters and brothers somewhere down there as well. You know, I mean, so I can appreciate that. So yeah, that, that gets into people's heads because all of a sudden they start thinking about that more than the game. And people say players block that out. No, especially that student section when they're right there in that sidelines ears. No, well, and especially this year when there's only, you know, a limited number of people there. So you're going to be able to hear everything. Oh but I, yeah. I think that, uh, it's my college baseball days. Yeah, no, I I think that like uh, Bob Stoops probably banned me because I've I've been, I went to Lubbock in 2007 for the Sam Bradford concussion game. Yeah, not not a fun time. Uh, I was there in 2009 for the uh, alternate jersey beat down the Ooh. year after the jump around game with uh, I yeah. Randy I I was there for all of the hits on the Landry Jones inaugural tour that five interception two degree he had games where he threw interceptions no oh yeah way. I know shocking yeah I'm shocking right oh my god I I'm about, to get P, I'm about to get PTSD here Randy that just that shit show in Lincoln I was there and uh, this last week it was like the 10 year anniversary of OU falling to number or falling to Missouri. And it was like the third straight week that the game right. day game had resulted in the number one team going down. Oh my gosh. We're, we're going hey, down a rabbit hole. Here. Ryan Lubbock is not my favorite place. I mean, I can give you so many stories. I was there for one of the big victories. I, I, all the years get confused in my head, but I think it was, was 2013 when we lost there. I'm trying to think, has that been when we lost there? Because it it was it was a, it was it was oh five oh seven oh nine those three straight trips because oh five right. was the Adrian Peterson uh, maybe where, where right. he had 
he had scored the walk off and the ref screwed him. Oh, seven's the right. Sam Bradford concussion game. Then oh, nine is the it's the game where Ryan Broyles down by like 30 is high stepping as, as he's scoring that touchdown in the in the awful alternate uniforms. Yeah. See, but I wasn't at that one. There was another one. Maybe it was one of the I can't remember the year, but not only do we lose this year, right? Whatever year it was, I went and we should have won. It was like pretty much run a BCS run. Um, on the way out of Lubbock, get pulled over for a ticket because, nice. and we left to avoid the cops. We left midway through the third quarter thinking, let's just get the heck out of here. These fans, we don't want to be around them. So we're like, oh, it's free and clear. I'm headed back towards Amarillo. And next thing I hear is lights. And I'm like, all right, I really hate this town. Like, you're just like, you're just like, I'm out. I'm out. Can't yeah. do this. But yeah. to, to a certain extent, uh, Lincoln Riley today, he did speak on the fact that uh, this team is is pretty comfortable on the road. And uh, he kind of talks about what makes Lubbock so weird from his perspective. It just always has. It's uh, yeah, like I said, I do have a unique perspective, like many on the staff haven't haven't been there. I mean, you know, I I don't want to presume what what Coach Wells or his players are thinking, but I know you know any when you were at Texas Tech or when I was there, any time a you know a Texas or an OU came to town, it was a it was a big deal. Um, and and I would imagine that hasn't changed. Um, but it's a big deal for us to go to Lubbock. You know, it's a great opportunity. It's uh, you road night games are, are as fun as it gets. And, uh, and especially there, I mean, I think every time we've been there too, it's been a night game. Um, so yeah, no, it's, uh, I mean, it's challenging road football and, uh, we've, you know, played against some pretty good players up there the last several years, um, uh, that, you know, that have made plays, our guys have made plays and there's, there's been, you know, a lot of, a lot of back and forth. And, uh, so, um, you know, I, last several years been down there, it's, you know, three of the, you know, three starting NFL quarterbacks playing in those games, just like that. And uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's a fun place to play, but it's also challenging, no question. Um, our maturity, you know, I, I hope that it's grown to that point. I mean, all we do right now is play on the road, apparently. So hopefully we're getting used to it. And that that's the only thing there is, it is a young team, but again, it's a young team. It's not 100% capacity. And like this team, they're used to this road thing. Their last home game was that Kansas State game, which was a month ago, Monday. So yeah. it'll be a little bit longer. And then, you know, they come back for Kansas. Congratulations. But uh, not really a game. But yeah. yeah, I mean, so are you worried about it? Like the only thing I see going wrong here, Randy, is turnovers. Like, I don't know how else this game could go haywire. I'm kind of with you on that. I mean, I don't see it. And I will say this, even though it's not capacity, I watched a lot of that Texas, Texas Tech game, and Riley's right. You know the, that city, those fans get jacked when Texas comes to town, when Oklahoma comes to town. And that crowd, for as sparse as it is, you know, what do they have? Do they get 18,000, I think it is, at their game? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty dang loud. Now, it's not going to affect anything. But, you know, that's still something, if it's a passionate, angry crowd, if you will, that it's going to be good for these guys to play in front of. And I'm going to look at it in the long run. I've said it time and time again. It's a good year to have a freshman quarterback that looks to be as good as Spencer Rattler because he's getting road experience. He's going to get to play in front of a hostile crowd in Lubbock because I think they'll be pretty loud and pretty hostile. But like you said earlier, it's not packed. It's not capacity. So you get to dip your toe in the water at least and get some of this out of the way before next season comes around so i'm not worried about anything in that in that regard it's just because oklahoma is that much better right now 
can they screw up and lose another one? Oh yeah, but they're that much better than Tim. Yeah, and at this point, it's one of those things that I'm sitting and waiting because I I need to see this team go out and not turn the ball over again and play four quarters on defense again so that I can say, okay, it's a trend. They've taken that step as opposed to just saying, well, the TCU game was an outlier because that, again, TCU offensive plan needs to just get put in an incinerator and and just lit on fire. But uh, there is a really big X factor when it comes to the atmosphere of this game, particularly with a young team. How do you think um, Marvin Mims, Spencer Rattler, Anton Harrison, how do you think those guys are going to handle that bell ringer down there in that end zone? That is one of the worst things in the world. I mean, doesn't he go on the sexual predator list afterwards? I think so. No ring in the bell. I mean, you couldn't pay me enough if I was the tech kid. You'd be like, hey, your job this week, you're the bell ringer. Nope. Do I get to wear a mask? Can I cover up who I am? No, this is the perfect year to be the bell ringer because you have to wear a mask. You're just like, and I want I want the mask. I want the yeah. face shield. I want that freaking weird ass thing circulating on Facebook this week that's basically like a Martian helmet. Like, I want all of that. I, I need all the anonymity to uh, ring the bell like that. Yeah, because I'm sorry. I don't want to become a social media meme. And that's exactly what happens to the bell ringers. I mean, there's going to be a video caught where it just looks awful. Facial expression and all. We've got some all time. Like, I think we need to take a step back and appreciate that 30% of the conference, at least, has just an iconic GIF now associated with their fan base. From this year's Red River rivalry, um, from the shootout there, we got the the upstanding young woman who, uh, you know, gave the bird to, I don't know, I'm assuming Tom Herman, but it could have been to the to the OU fans, but I, I'm assuming it was Tom Herman. Well, before, before you move on, Ryan, we need to do research. Is that the same young lady that gave the bird to Mark Andrews from oh, Texas? Interesting. Remember when he scored that long touchdown? Yes, yes. Yeah, there's uh, a photo. I wonder if it's the same girl. Maybe that's her go-to move. Which, uh, fair game. That's a great go-to. But that's an, uh, the she stepped her game up. She realized that in today's Twitter world, it needed to be a GIF, not a picture. Yeah. So she gave us that. You go up to Stillwater, you've got the poor, oh, that God. poor reindeer, that poor inflatable reindeer that uh, will <laughs> never be the same ever again. Uh, and then you've got the bell that's ringer at they, Tech. That's why they wear boots. That's where the back legs go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I just think that uh, we should appreciate the uh, nice little tour de force our conference has become here as far as the gift world goes. No doubt. And I'll say this, as bad as the Roughnecks are, at least all they do is slide by the pole and pound the ground with their paddles. Oh, I, I, I mean, what, what a blind spot. Randy. Hold on. What a blind spot. Oh, God. What have they done now? No, not the Roughnecks. Okay. You've got the Sooner Schooner toppling gif. Well, yeah, okay. But that wasn't from this year. Yeah. So, yeah, and there was the deer, I guess. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, no, there, there's some special ones across the conference. Yeah, I mean. I, and- like, is, is there a more gifable conference? You also have the Tom Herman backpack uh, oh, making God. fun of Drew Locke. Like, like there, there have been some good times over the last few I years. I forgot here. about that one, that idiot. And he's we, a head coach. The more we, I think about that, he's a head coach. We need another Texas week so that we can just get out all of our Tom Herman hate because it might be the last year we can, Randy. Well, that could still happen. Luke I haven't Fickle. given up hope. Luke Fickle, one. come on down. <laughs> oh, gosh. This is but crazy. Anyway, getting a, a little bit back on track here, 
Um, obviously, this week? I, I feel like it. I, we're, we're kind of on the same page here, but there is one thing that I think Sooner fans are going to be very interested in, and that's the status of Ramondre Stevenson, Trajan Bridges, and Ronnie Perkins. Look, this has become quite the saga in Norman. Um, Lincoln Riley basically came out, and, and there was the reports that, that Ronnie Perkins was going to win the appeal early. When asked about it, Lincoln Riley basically said, if I ever write a book, I'm going to write a whole chapter on this Ronnie Perkins deal. Ronnie Perkins has not played for the Sooners yet. When the suspensions were initially reported, never confirmed by the program or Lincoln Riley or anything, but six games was the the length of time thrown out um, by just about everyone reporting on it. If we count five games this season, Mm -hmm. the Peach Bowl, that would be game six. So in theory, if those reports are correct... Mm -hmm. Those three guys should be back this week. This is what Lincoln Riley unsolicited led off the press conference with today. I will just answer the question for you, too. I still have nothing new on the on the three suspended players, so I'll let you know when I do. So we've got that. We've got Ramondra Stevenson's mother on Twitter insinuating that her and Mr. Stevenson will be in Lubbock cheering loud. Like, what do you, what do you expect from uh, the, the Free the Three movement? I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, what's really interesting, I know you were working back at the station on Saturday. I was, after the game, I was driving and you heard the the crew, Chris Plank, Toby Rowland, you know, Teddy Lehman, Gabe Eichert, they all talked about, hey, and next week, you know, the three will be, you know, they acted like they went through the three. They're like bridges. Every one of them said yes, that they would be back this week. Perkins. Teddy said, yeah, Teddy said, yes, no one else really commented. And he's like, don't I'm going to back me up on this. But Teddy said, yes, Stevenson, everyone said, yes. Okay. Here's people. And granted, they're not inside the program in the sense of working with the coaching staff, but they even read the NCAA rule. Like you read it. Like I read it. Like everyone else that covers college athletics reads it. And it's interpreted that they're back this week. And yet you have the head coach from Oklahoma Lincoln Riley basically going, no update. I, I have no idea what's going on. Now, is this gamemanship? I, I guess it could be a little, but at the same time, you can tell by the way he talked, it's not. It's like he's irritated with the NCAA. Well, and this was so much different because usually we we have to ask the question. He kind of takes a second and then gives the non-answer. Um, and Randy, obviously... As far as being in the press conferences go, I've been in the press conferences since the start of this season. So I can't mm-hmm. attest for when this went down last season or some of the summer stuff. But Randy, today I went back and went through and I went through every Lincoln Riley press conference we've had. And every time the media asks about the suspended players in his response, he has not used the word suspended. He's just said status hasn't changed. Um, nothing's changed, something like that. So I found it very interesting that A, he let off with it, B, he actually used that phrasing, you know, suspended players. But like you said, the biggest thing is he looked genuinely frustrated. It didn't look like a coach that was just like annoyed that he's getting the question and trying to give the non-answer. It didn't look like anything like that. He looked frustrated at whatever's going on. So um, I wish we had a better answer for you. But Randy, I almost feel like it's one of those things. Tune in seven o'clock on Saturday and we'll see what running back rolls out. We'll see if Trajan Bridges is there. Or at least get on social media about five o'clock for all the reporters that'll be in Lubbock tweeting, hey, Stevenson's in Jersey working out with the running back, Bridges, Perkins. 
I mean, that's going to be the way because the way it's going right now, I don't know if we will have an exact answer. And I mentioned this to you earlier in the day, Ryan, and it's not because Oklahoma and like every school in the country is going to get on Oklahoma's bandwagon. But with what's going on with COVID and this whole football fiasco with this year on conferences making the decision and, you know, the NCAA having no power, I've been preaching this since last spring. The NCAA, in my opinion, is on a little bit of life support and little things like this, especially what involves power schools, because Oklahoma is not the only team that's had an issue like, forget these three, the Chris Murray situation where you're five games into the year and it was done well before and they're just now making a ruling on it. Oklahoma is not the only school as some of these power fives that are going through this debacle. So, I mean, little things like this are amazing to me that the NCAA is playing with this type of fire when all these schools that are the big money makers for the NCAA could eventually go, you know what? NCAA, it's been nice. You've been fun. We're out. See ya. And it's like, how many stories do we get every offseason of player X has had someone in their family fall to some illness mm -hmm. and they want to just transfer back near them. It's a program. That's like a downgrade. It's a player that was getting playing time and the NCAA is like, Nope, we're not going to, we're not going to grant that. Then you have stuff like the kicker. I think he was at central Florida who just separate of anything else had just a YouTube page, not yeah. an impermissible benefit, anything like that. And they basically say you have to demonetize it or we're going to rule you ineligible. Stuff like that. I'm just like the NCAA, like the YouTube thing, it would have to be such a complex operation of boosters buying bots to boost views on that dude for it to be like an impermissible. But like the stuff like that is so dumb. Then you let's cross the bridge over to basketball. Oklahoma State worked with the NCAA through all this FBI stuff and they get slapped with a postseason ban, like you said, in a year where they have the number one player in the country coming in in a year where everyone needs that revenue for making the tournament, things like that. I just feel like, you know, when that, uh, when the TV contracts come up, cause, cause we've said this before, if the power five go to ESPN, Fox, whoever, and say, listen, we're going to break off and we're going to only play each other. The deal is you have to televise the rest of our sports that aren't football and basketball, mm -hmm. ESPN and Fox or whoever, they're going to get together in a back room. And they're going to say, hello, here is $1 billion with a B for you. Yeah. Let's do it. I mean, and what's funny to me, and I know like one thing that came out a couple of weeks ago about this, basically said this was kind of a proposal, you know, that some people are talking about where they would stay in basketball for NCAA. And I think that's the NCAA's ego going, well, that's fine. We really don't do anything with football anyway. We may be okay with that. But if I'm these Power Five conferences, I'm going to call the NCAA's bluff and do exactly our plan going, oh, really? Really? No, this is what we're going to do, or this is what you're going to do. You have two choices, because I would be willing to go, hey, we're taking Kentucky. We're taking North Carolina. We're taking Duke. We're taking your power basketball schools. Do you think CBS is going to pay you the outrageous amount of money for all those other schools without Kansas, North Carolina, and all of them? Guess what? They're not. No, they're going to come pay us to do even if it's just a 32-team tournament, they're going to pay us more money than they're going to pay you in the long run. Yeah, and it's like, look, the Big East has already been gutted. It's It's been proven that if no. unless you just keep the names involved, and I'm sure even that the, the Power Fives or whatever, I'm not sure that, the, that everyone else left out would do anything, but if the Power Fives build this thing over here, I'm sure they'll say, hey, Rhode Island, 
you want to you mm. want an at-large bid to our tournament so it stay it has that you know magical feeling to it still sure is rhode island going to turn away that payday probably not. well uh, maybe not but at the same time they probably would because then that's when the ncaa is going to be fighting for every last dollar and play a little hardball but i'm with you i see where you're going but i just think in the end the ncaa would cave, cave and go what did y'all want here you go because yeah. we can't lose these events and that includes the softball world series the college baseball world series if all those go away as far as the power schools leaving uh, those events are affected big time, you know? And so yeah. th- those three sports, to be honest with you, I've been in enough committee meetings, you know, where we're, I'm working network wise in the past with the softball association, trying to bring in the college world series, the three sports that bring the money in are four. There's four tournaments or four things that really make the NCAA's nut every year. The men's and women's basketball tournament. The third highest grossing event is the college world series in Omaha, followed by Oklahoma city. If all of a sudden you take all the big schools from those four events, they're not getting the paydays they want. Right. I mean, to me, this is the time for the Power Five to swing their stick, if you will, and go, mine's bigger than yours. Yeah. Hey, we're forming the Power Five Council. We make the rules now. Buzz off. And while they're at it, uh, they need to get with the NFL and let's figure out one damn set of rules to play football, too. Please. I know we went over this Saturday, but just I, I hate that. You know, it, it's just it's stupid. It's let's, stupid that football doesn't have universal rules. Let's just average out the hash marks, two feet in bounds, NFL pass interference, and figure out a damn overtime. And we'll be golden. Yes, please. Just please. I, and I don't even care which overtime system they go with. They can go with the college one. They can go with the pro one. But just something that's universal. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm still team. Just put the ball at your own 35 and say we're going to do the college version but instead of from the plus 25 you get the minus 35 congratulations Mm -hmm. yeah i like that i like uh, that and and we need to implement that fourth and 15 instead of the onside kick i want that so bad how has that not been like just a thing oh i know i want that so bad i'm with you just something right you know let's just do it way more exciting than an onside kick yeah because how many i mean we've seen a couple onsides this year but for the most part how often do you see it Exactly. Well, my thing is, say we get to a college football playoff semifinal. Maybe it's Ohio State and Clemson going at it again. I want to see Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields on the field as many times as possible. And if are you are you telling me Ohio State's down by 14? And if they can march down the field, then with a minute left, you've got a fourth and 15. Justin Fields taking the field against that Clemson defense. And they're saying, all right, not only do you have to make that 15 yards right there, but then they then have to engineer a drive after, like the drama in that versus, all right, let's put it in this damn kicker's feet. I'm totally with you. I think it could be phenomenal. I mean, especially with the way offenses, you mentioned those two, but I mean, even if you put it up to the NFL level, I mean, look, we talked about, you know, Baker Mayfield, his performance on Saturday, Kyler Murray. I mean, Look at what Joe Burrow is doing in Cincinnati now as far as that game. Just take that game alone. Not two great teams, even though Cleveland's 5-2 and two and everyone wants to act like they're this dregs of the NFL. You know, I mean, look at that game. The way they were going back and forth. If all of a sudden it's like, hey, here we go, 4th and 15. That game may have never ended. And it would have been fun never ending. Not, oh, God, this is awful, you know? Yeah. It's- that's what's great about it. 
your your best players are not your kickers. You want the games decided by these quarterbacks, by these wide receivers, the athletes, by the athletes. Yeah, the the actual football players. Right. Sorry, sorry, kickers, but not sorry. You, you want these games decided by those guys. I want the game in the hand of Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, not freaking Chandler Costanza or whatever his name is. Yes. But by the way, whatever. Yeah. Oh, can we, talk, can we talk about kicking field goals on second down and people out of Lubbock just screwing that decision up? Oh, God. <laughs> I know. I'm with you. I I've obviously Mike Leach somewhere poisoned the youth of America with this idea that with the game on the line, with a high powered offense and an elite quarterback, you should kick a field goal on second down. And I don't I, get it. I don't get it either. And I, 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 there's a part of me, I, I get a little of it, but not in that situation in that game on Sunday when they're moving the ball. Well, okay. they're not having any problem. There were three offensive plays on that drive. Kyler Murray very easily finds Larry Fitzgerald, gets a first down. He then hands the ball off to Chase Edmonds, gets a big chunk play on the ground. And then Kyler has a great pickup with his feet. And then he decides, so they it's relatively easy. Just tell everyone to hold on to the damn ball. Instead, he's like, okay, we're going to run this weird play that almost gets Kyler just killed because he's trying to right. get to the middle of the field and the left tackle didn't do anything. And then he iced his own kicker with the timeout because it was going to be a delay game. But did you, uh, I know we're doing it. It's sad. We've got off on this. But did you see, he didn't ice him or he nearly didn't. And this is where I will criticize Kingsbury. I'm like, why aren't you paying attention? You're going to get a delay a game. His assistant had to get him. He was over there talking to Kyler. And next thing he's like, oh God, time out, time out. I'm like, Look, like, what are y'all doing? They're trying to lose the game. The NFL was good for Kingsbury because he wasn't responsible for the defense. He basically said, hey, Vance Joseph, you were basically a head coach in Denver. Well, not basically. You were a head coach in Denver. You just head coach the defense. I'll head coach the offense. It'll be great. So he's over there talking to Kyle. He's like, oh, shit. We, we forgot to put a special teams coach in charge. Yeah, exactly. It was just crazy, though. But yeah, what a game that was. I mean, you know, maybe next week when we do the post game, maybe we should wait till Sunday. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. But like, and just do a whole recap of the NFL because as many of you guys that are performing in the NFL, oh my God, Ryan, Saturday for OU's recruiting purposes, if if I'm Lincoln Riley and they, I noticed on Twitter they did this for any quarterback coming up, I'm doing nothing but highlight films of Baker and Kyler. Look at these guys. Well, this is what produce and who knows you might be one hit away from blake bell taking over in dallas so <laughs> don't want to wish an injury upon anyone but that's a it's it's something that's out there it's out there yeah i randy i think that we should just pencil this in instead of a post-game podcast for kansas we're just going to do a post nfl oh, yeah. podcast so it works out perfectly too with the cardinals on by this week yeah exactly because oh anyway yeah that i i think you're right and it is interesting. We ought to talk more eventually about some of the NFL guys because I think it's helping in recruiting. You saw this weekend, not only with Oklahoma getting that victory, they got the commitment out of the number one receiver in the country again for next year. The, yeah, we talked a lot about this uh, Theo Weiss, Trajan Bridges, Jaden Hazelwood class. Technically, right now, depending on the service you look at, OU has a higher ranked trio with verbals in 2022. For yeah, and the 2021 one coming in this coming year? No slouch either. It's not chop, chop liver. Yeah, I mean, Ryan. And I know what's funny is I, I see people, Oklahoma fans, 
why can't they get any defense? They're bitching about getting the best receivers in the country. I'm like, hey, look, I, I'm with you. But also, I, I'm under the – I'm 48 years old, Ryan. Or I will be. I'm under this Switzer adage. And a lot of people may forget what Bob Stoops did early in his tenure. You give me the top wide receivers in the country year in and year out. Guess what? At a certain point, some of those receivers can't play receiver. They want to get snaps. They want to go to the next level. You get the best athletes, and you move them to where you need them. Oh, they go play defense. Remember, you were too young for this, Ryan, but one of Bob Stoops' best defensive backs he had in his early days came in as a wide receiver. Andre Wolfolk. Right. He he was a wide receiver, and he played DB and wide receiver in the year 2000 for Oklahoma, both spots. He played in the NFL for, I think it was seven years. You just get the best athletes you can, and then you figure out where to play them. Well, the other thing is, Lincoln Riley has put up record-breaking offenses and has not been recruiting this caliber of player. Exactly. So I don't understand anyone that's going to roll their eyes at saying, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me that the people coming in, at least at the base level, all have a higher talent floor than what Lincoln set all the records with. Like, I don't see the disconnect. Like, And potentially this offensive line recruiting class they have coming in this year? Oh, well, my, I mean, my thing stupid. is stupid. Like, okay, so five stars bust occasionally. That's fine. If you're bringing in three a year, if one of those hits and one of them's average, you're going to have the best wide receiving core in the country. It's not even close. No doubt. And that's what I've said about all positions, you know, and when people go, I don't care about the stars. I, you know what? I fucking hate those people that follow in recruiting and go rankings mean nothing. I'll be the first to tell you in a grand scheme of things, rankings do mean nothing, but do you want to go back and do you want to look at the national champions? Let's see where they're recruiting a five stars guys were. Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. Wait, hold on. Our, our recent national champions. Okay, LSU. Oh, they're always in the top 10. Um, Alabama, Clemson, Alabama, yeah. Clemson. Top five, Alabama, I believe, right? Clemson, yeah. Ohio top two. State. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. Those are the top five schools in the country. Yeah. And then there's where, Whereas, yeah, exactly. <laughs> whereas, and that's the one people will always bring up and throw in your face when you're having this argument. I'm like, all right, we're talking about one moron. Look at the rest of the country because... And I'm not going to slam, it's not a slam to him, but it's like when everyone wants to get upset, and this is actually going to defend him, when everyone wants to get upset at Mike Gundy. I think Sam Mays, who's on the franchise with us, he makes the best point. Because here's what everyone goes, well, why isn't, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, he, he does all this without great kids. Hey, Mike Gundy does do a really good job of developing some guys and getting some talent in there without getting the upper echelon. Why is he not continually a national top 10 contender? Because he doesn't have that level of player. So if you want to criticize Mike Gundy for anything, that's why I say Sam Mays does a good job of it. Criticizing for not getting the high level of guys and capitalizing on the big 12 guys. Not on the fact, look what he does with the lower level guys. Well, that's all well and good. Guess what? Here's you and some candy, trick or treat, kid. Go back to the house because that's all you're getting. You're not getting rings. It's about championships. Just make sure you mask up and you stay socially distanced so that we can continue to play football. But yes, take your candy home. It's just one of those things, too, that like it, 
sure, you'll have a Khalil Mack that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. But I would rather just start with the kids that are that we know this is the certain level that they can play at. And then, hey, of those guys, if you're if you're stacking all of them, yeah, I'm going to bet that for as many as you bust on, yeah, you're going to have guys that are just as big a five-star player. So no doubt. And that that's the thing, because you mentioned it. You're not going to hit on everyone. But if you get 15, five, 15 guys or out of your 20 sign, right? Let's say 19 out of the 23 you sign are five and four stars. Okay, fit 13 of the 19 hit. You're in a lot better spot than if you sign two or three. And guess what? One of the three hits. You're already in a better position, back to what I was saying earlier, Ryan, to, hey, this guy doesn't work out here. You know who one of the best offensive linemen Oklahoma's had in Bob Stoops' tenure was? You probably know Jamal Brown, right? Right. You know what he came in as? One of the top defensive linemen in the country. Exactly. You, it's a it's about that skill level and that talent. You get them here, and I'll admit, in this day and age, sometimes kids don't want to move, and they're all easy to transfer. But at the same time, if you start proving a track record of being a coach going, hey, look, I know you were that number three defensive lineman in the country, but we need a left tackle, and you've got the skill set to do it. And Look at the what we've done with guys that have done that in the past. And that's what Oklahoma did in the early days when Stoops was getting – high-level kids, the first ones. He just took the first high-level kids he could get. And then when he got them on campus, if you needed to move them, you moved them to wherever that you needed the most help out. Well, and it's like, even if these guys miss, stuff like that, you're basically just recruiting. You're telling me that you've got a five-star guy to come in and be your quality depth if he misses. Mm -hmm. Like, if you whiff on someone, he's quality depth. It's one of those things that it's the Alabama Clemson thing right now. The second, third, fourth wave of guys they throw in are just as big, just as strong. And maybe they just um, don't read the game as well. Their technique is sloppy, but you're still having to move just Adonis's out there. You know what I mean? It's one of those things yeah. that there is literally no downside to stacking five stars. So yeah, I guarantee you a lot of theirs bust, but like you say, all of a sudden they're not having to be that starter. They can be that second or third team. And he looks pretty good at that point. Cause he's playing 13 snaps a game as opposed to 35. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's crazy, but OU's been on fire and I'm sure that we'll get into that a little bit more. Cause like we said, especially uh, you, the cancer week in the bye week Yeah. Do you, do you have a score prediction? Back, to back, right? Yeah. Back, back to back weeks there. You got a score prediction out of Lubbock this week. Let's see if I can get as close as I did last week. I'm going to go 42 to 21. I think tech will get a garbage touchdown late. And I think for the most part, defense will control them. 42, 21. Yeah, I've got uh, 48-17. I think that this is where um, Oklahoma realizes that they've got this game and the Kansas game. They've got two games to get it right and and start to fire on all cylinders before Bedlam. So I really feel like this is one of those get right. Uh, you know, everybody's going to feel good coming out of this one. Hey, you're brave. So I almost went with the Phil Gold until I rewatched Texas game yesterday, our text game. And they started talking about how awful their kicker was. Look, like, uh, oh, okay. We Wait, maybe, we, maybe no field goals for tech. We saw this with Iowa State. Uh, for whatever, yeah, reason, way to go, ass alley. Yeah, for whatever reason, field goal kickers sh- that are just you know ass alleys, uh, show out against the Sooners. So I believe that he can k- kick that uh, garbage. Ass alley, stay out of jail because that'll definitely be your nickname. Yes, yes, you don't want that at all. But uh, Randy, 
hopefully we get an entertaining game. Like I, I hope so, but uh, I fear that over the next two weeks, it Blue may moon be... on Halloween, anything can happen. Yeah. Lubbock on Halloween, anything can happen. That's for sure. But if nothing else, we march on to a big bedlam game on the horizon. If guys, if you've missed it, by the way, earlier this week, a really special episode we put out. We had former Sooner Kenneth Mann on. Um, obviously, he talked about this defensive line unit, guys, that he played with last season. Uh, he kind of talked about the the transition into the Alex Grinch defense and and then relived some fun moments. One of my favorite plays, Randy, involved Kenneth Mann over the last few years, that big interception against Army. He was a pretty good sport about uh, you know un- the inability to uh, beat an offensive lineman off the ball there, but. Yeah, but uh, no, I mean, I, I listened to the podcast, really good job too. And I, I think it's interesting to see what he's doing. And in fact, I taped the spring league game tonight. You know, I know they call it the spring league, but it's because it got messed up last year. They're basically doing two this year, but it's good to see him not give up on his dream. And I, to be honest, Brian, I was a little shocked with, I'm not going to say he played bad last year, but his performance last year, I expected bigger and better things because he had really looked like he had started to progress in that role. So I'm hoping he gets a shot because he reminds me that fast, big guy on the outside. Absolutely. Could, I mean, I mean, and this isn't a slam to the other guy, but if Oboe can make it in the NFL, Kenneth Mann's the type of guy that he's got a little more size, could definitely have a shot with the right spot, the right place, and the right chance to, you know, get a few snaps in the NFL. Well, and he was definitely banged up last year. You know, he only got mm-hmm. to play, I think, five games total, but uh, he, he missed the start of the season with an injury, kind of, you know, niggling stuff like that. So he, he was talking, he he feels good. He's in good shape and uh, looking to show out in the spring league. So check that out. Same place you get this podcast. If you've got this podcast, just go to the see previous episodes. It should be that last one right there. But until next time, we got a post game pod here for the Red Raiders and then who who the hell knows? We'll figure out something creative to to get us through. Kansas is Les Miles going to travel for Kansas Week, or is he just going to go ahead and stay home forever? I I think that I he, should, he was at Kansas State. Yeah, I think he's I think he's just uh, cashing it. He's just like, uh, we're just going to contact Trace me until my contract's up. We'll get into that later, yeah, because that's exactly what last week looked like for Kansas. Absolutely. Anyway, Ryan, yeah, it was Absolutely. fun. Absolutely. We will see you guys, and uh, you know, uh, hope everyone survives a very spooky Halloween season. We'll talk to you after the game.